You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a bonus episode of Locked On NFL. I'm David Harrison, host of the Locked On Bucks podcast with the Kansas City Chiefs and Tampa Bay Buccaneers set to face off in the Super Bowl this weekend. Here are our local experts with in-depth crossover coverage. Chris Clark of Locked On Chiefs and I break it down for you on today's bonus episode of Locked On NFL. For more on the local angle of the Super Bowl matchup, check out the Locked On Chiefs and Locked On Bucks podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, guys, we're talking about the big game this weekend all week long, and we have re- have been really for the last two weeks. But long before the teams score at Raymond James Stadium, thousands of hours of work goes into making the big game and the amazing spectacle that accompanies it. Tampa Bay 55 is a podcast. It's your exclusive all-access pass behind the scenes with the deal makers, handshakers, celebrities, and athletes. Listeners will go inside the planning meetings and hear firsthand from the people responsible for ensuring every detail is perfect. The podcast is hosted by Ryan Bass, anchor at 10 News WTSP, the CBS-affiliated television station in the Tampa Bay area, and Rob Higgins, executive director of the Tampa Bay Sports Commission and president CEO of the Super Bowl 55 host committee. To get behind the scenes scoop on how Super Bowl 55 is coming together, check out Tampa Bay 55, available now on your favorite podcast provider. All right, guys, let's get this crossover Thursday, the last crossover Thursday of the season. David Harrison here, Locked On Bucks, joined now by Chris Clark, Locked On Chiefs. Chris, uh, obviously we want to get into all the emotions, all the feelings. You guys are doing this two years in a row, so maybe this is just boring to you now. As, as somebody covering the Bucks, this is all very exciting. Uh, so, yeah, so how do you feel just kind of going through the mid part of the weekend of the weekend and then roll right into injury updates if you've got any significant ones for us? You know, I don't want to sound conceited or over the top, but I have to say I'm a little bit more calm about it this year than I was last year. And honestly, you, you look at it and it's because they're back and honestly because I expected them to be back. I mean, they brought just about everybody back on the team. So in that position, you would expect that they're going to do well. And that's kind of what I was looking at. And, you know, not trying to sound cocky, but I expected them to be back here. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes sense. You know, you, when you have a talented roster like that who makes it to the Super Bowl and wins – and then, like you said, comes back pretty much intact. I mean, it's hard not to have some of those expectations. Uh, of course, you know, what, what plays out on the field is going to be what determines how we all feel coming into 2021. But I think both franchises have good reason to be confident no matter what happens uh, in this weekend's game. But looking at this matchup, Chris, I got two questions on offense, two on defense. First, let's start with the running game. Uh, in the postseason, Kansas City Chiefs ranking fifth overall in yards per carry with a 4.84 yards per carry average. That's, that's pretty solid. Uh, but we also know the Buccaneers' rush defense is their strength as far as their defense side of the ball goes. And then the return of Vita Vey against Green Bay, he looked good. He's had two more weeks to rest, heal, and get back into football shape. So it doesn't look like the Chiefs are going to have the easiest time achieving that high of a rush uh, yards per average. How important it is, is it, do you think, for the Chiefs to establish a run game, or can they come into this thing essentially having to throw because they can't get the run game going and still win? You know, I think it's really a good question, but I will say this. I think there's a caveat, and I hate using him, but I will say it in this regard. Andy Reid looks at running at the running game completely differently than most head coaches. So, you know, you have an end around to McCall Hardman that went for 50 yards against the Buffalo Bills. That's a running play. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, th- that's the way he looks at the running game. It's not always going to be between the tackles. It's not always going to be right off the tackle. Uh, so you you have to take into account those types of plays. I still think the Chiefs will use those types of plays. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they'll use them as much as they have in the past couple of games because I, I do know that the Buccaneers' defense is very good against the run. But again, the problem is against the run, you're also looking mainly in between the tackles. Yep. 
if you're looking at getting outside, uh, that's a completely different ball game, and I think that works against a guy like Vita Bay because he's not going to have the speed to keep track of those guys if they're running basically straight sideline when they get the ball. Um, so that's a that's a big thing there, and I do think that they're going to use that. And the other thing is, is you know, Andy Reid's also used uh, situations where he'd have a wide receiver pass uh, Patrick Mahomes right in front of Patrick Mahomes and just flip it to him, and that's a passing play but it's essentially a run. Right. So, I mean, I think there's different ways you attack it. Is that really, is I think what it comes down to? Yeah, absolutely. Using seeing the entirety of the field. We saw the green Bay Packers, not in the first part of that game, the NFC championship game, but eventually started moving the pocket, trying to make the line of scrimmage reach sideline to sideline, really make the Buccaneers defend the entire time. That's, that's where they had the most success. So that definitely makes a lot of sense. Uh, now moving to the offensive line, obviously that's going to be where the biggest questions uh, lie. How concerned are you about this offensive line going up against this defensive front? Uh, in Tampa Bay, and and I mean, let's just let's just do a JPP saying he doesn't know who Mike Remmers is. I don't really believe that. I think it's a little bit of gamesmanship. But how concerned are you about this offensive line against this front, if at all? I'm very concerned. I, I think you have to be looking at that offense at that defensive front. But I have to say this: I really respect the, the Buccaneers' defensive line. I think they're very good. I just don't know that I th- would say that they're on the same level as the uh, 49ers last year. Now that said, uh, the 49ers last year you know, we're going up against Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher. I do think that that also plays into it as well. Uh, And again, I'm not trying to take anything away from the defensive line. I just really don't think that they're on the same level. Uh, But what I will say is that, you know, you're looking at, you know, two backup tackles, uh, two backup guards, and really the only guy that's starting that was a starter when the year started was, uh, you know, Ryder at center. So that's going to be a big question mark, and that's definitely something that Kansas City is going to have to overcome. The one thing I will say about that is I think Kansas City has gotten away from screen the screen game a little bit. Uh, I would expect that that's going to come back, and I think part of the reason it's going to come back and come back bigger this week is because that is one of the things that Clyde Edwards Hilaire does fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and he has been you know banged up. Uh, he didn't play. I mean, he played against the Bills, but I don't think he was regularly himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that that's a big reason that you didn't see the screen game used, and I think that's something that they're going to, you know, try to get in early because that'll also slow down the pass rush as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, I mean, with, when you talk about the screen game, Buccaneers defense can tackle really, really well at times, but we've also seen them get get butterfingers on on ball carriers, I guess, and and just kind of let guys slip and slide past them pretty consistently too. So that would definitely kind of put pressure on that tackle. And flipping over to the Kansas City defense, Chris, uh, when you look at that defensive front, you look at the secondary, I think I think if you if you look at it from a roster standpoint, just a black and white name standpoint, the middle of the field is probably what looks to be the most advantageous for the Buccaneers' de- offense to attack. And they and it just so happens they enjoy actually doing that, especially when teams trying to bring pressure up the middle on Tom Brady, which is historically known for causing him the most problems. They like to get Cam Brate. They like to get the running backs. Even guys like Chris Godwin over that middle part of the field to take advantage of that aggression. Does that worry you at all? Do you feel like uh, the, the linebackers, the middle part of that defense, really is kind of suspect? And, and how do you expect this Kansas City Chiefs defense to adjust to facing the Buccaneers a second time? You know, I think what you have to watch is Kansas City's passing defense, and and really when I say that, it's it's the back four, and and I guess you could go back five because nickel is pretty much on the field all the time, uh, and Kansas City plays a ton of dime too, so it, sometimes they could have six defenders on the field for that uh and i think what you're going to see is that they're going to vary things up uh one of the things that i think is going to play a huge key in this game uh that a lot of people aren't talking about is the difference that juan thornhill can make on the backside of 
the Chiefs defense. Uh, he is able to cover the same ground that he was when he was a rookie. He finally looks like he's back from his injury, from his ACL tear last year, which caused him to miss the Super Bowl. I think that could be a huge addition. And I understand you're talking about linebackers, but when you start talking about pass defense and you talk, start talking about the safeties, safeties coming down and having the speed to come down really can affect their linebacker play too. Yeah, exactly. So that's really where I'm coming from with that. I do think that that is probably the weakest part of the Chiefs defense, and it's definitely something they need to worry about. But I do think that they also have a couple of places or a couple of pieces that they really like using in those situations. Uh, and Daniel Sorensen's another one that they could put in more of a linebacker role, even though he plays safety. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like everything you just said there, and I can't find a hole in any of your arguments. Um, Ryan Tracy and I have been doing a lot of videos and, and audio work for the Locked On Today uh, podcast, part of, the, uh, part of this very network, one of our new shows. And in a recent video, we had to basically tell the audience who we thought our under-the-radar players were. He selected Kansas City Chiefs cornerback uh, Jerry Snee, which is interesting because I also picked a Buccaneer secondary player in safety, Mike Edwards. Um, I wanted to ask you your thoughts on that as well and to expand on that. But before I did that, I asked somebody else what he thought about this under-the-radar label for Legereus Sneed, and I wanted to play that audio for you. Hey, Legereus, hope you're doing well. Congratulations to you. Oh, thank you. Definitely. So with all the stars on the Chiefs roster, specifically on your guys' defense, it's kind of hard for some of you guys to, to stand out amongst the crowd, especially on a national stage. But coming into this weekend's game, Ryan Tracy of Locked On Chiefs actually identified you as his under-the-radar player who could have a really big impact on how Super Bowl 55 goes down. So how do you feel about that kind of a status uh, placed on you? And then what is it you think that you bring to the field, especially most recently in the pass rush, as, as well as in coverage that's going to help you stand out in this game? Uh, you know, man, I know uh, Coach Bats dialed up the best, you know, defense for us, put us in the best position that we need to be in. And I know the guys up front going to handle theirs and the middle linebackers, the linebackers going to handle theirs and we're going to handle ours from the back end, you know. And I feel like Spag got us in the right position. You know, everybody just do their job, you know. We're preparing now for two weeks now. So, you know, just go out there, play ball, and put God first. All right, Chris. So that was Jerry Sneed, obviously, Kansas City Chiefs cornerback uh, during his Super Bowl media session. And I'll tell you, Chris, I got that question into him literally five minutes before we jumped on here to record. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to get this in in time. But I was able to get it. That's what Jerry Sneed thinks. So you heard, you know what Ryan thinks, obviously, and that's what Jerry thinks of this whole thing. What, what are your thoughts coming into the weekend about Jerry Sneed being an underdog or an under-the-radar potential big play or big impact player in the Super Bowl? I think it could be huge. Uh, really what it comes down to for me is I. it's really hard for me to call him under the radar because I cover the team on a regular basis. Uh, but I understand where Ryan was going with it. When you're looking from a national perspective and you don't know this team, I could definitely see why he would be that guy. He's a rookie. Uh, not many people – he's not going to be a household name right now. Uh, he did start the season and get a lot of picks early, and then he got hurt. Uh, so he doesn't really have the stats that would back up like a Pro Bowl bid. Um, so I get why that was the pick, and I definitely agree with it as well because you sit here and you look at him in this defense, and they're just a completely different defense when he's on the field. When he's able to play, uh, he can shut down whoever he's covering, and that is you know something that is a very valuable trait in the NFL. So I do think that that's a huge uh, player that people need to be watching when this game goes on on Sunday. Uh, Jerry Sneed, I think, is a guy that could make plays, and if he makes a pick or two in this game, and yeah, I said two, uh, just because he always seems to be around the ball, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely, if he's not getting interceptions, he's getting sacks in a lot of games in this rookie season, you know, uh, other than being injured. He's definitely had an impressive year. Uh, so that's going to wrap up my questions for for Chris here, talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. We're going to flip it now on this crossover Thursday, and Chris is going to take over the questions. I'm going to try to field his questions and answer them best I can for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
my last quick thought on Ligarius Sneed is you mentioned his sacks, and that is a phenomenal aspect of his game that I didn't even expect to come about, uh, but it's been great to see during the playoffs, so I do think that that's going to be something to watch as well. Uh, I just want to jump in really quick. So I will go basically two questions on offense, two questions on defense as well. Uh, but my first question is I look at this game, and I understand it doesn't mean anything the Week 12 game they played. I mean, yeah, Kansas City won. You know, it was three-point win. Uh, you know, that's great. But one thing that sticks out to me is I'm looking at statistics. Kansas City had 21 first down plays in that game. They only had six third down plays. How do the Buccaneers go about changing that? Because that seems like a huge disparity that if you can't fix, that's going to be very hard to stop this team. Yeah, absolutely. No, and I mean, this team loves to take the ball away from opposing players. Sean Murphy Bunting talked about that during some of his Super Bowl media time about how much they value getting takeaways from the from the opposing team but you can't just rely on those takeaways you're not going to get enough of them to beat some of the best teams in the national football league most weeks uh, anyway so in order to get off the field right what you got to do you got to make them punt and you got to make them go for field goals and at least come away with just three instead of seven in order to do that obviously like you point out you got to get to third down and the buccaneers defense really by and large over the rest of the season has been really good at getting teams to third down where they've struggled more often than not is getting teams off the field in third down and third down sitting there Oh, the opposing third down conversion rate over 40%. And usually you want to be right around the 33 to 38%. If you can be not into the mid forties, which is where the Buccaneers have sat most of the year. And that's where you see a lot of these defensive problems come into. Uh, you even go back to green Bay when they were trying starting to make that comeback, there was a third and I want to say 15 that they had the green Bay Packers on in deep in Packers territory, probably looking to get the ball back around the 50, if not in green Bay territory after the punt. And they give up 16 yards on third down ones what ends up happening. The Packers end up going down and scoring a touchdown and that's part of what sparked that comeback bid that they had in Green Bay uh, a couple weeks ago. So that just kind of shows the importance of not only getting to third down early in possessions, but getting off the field after those third downs. Patrick Mahomes, you know, Aaron Rodgers is, is a great quarterback in his own right, but I think in today's NFL, Patrick Mahomes is the more dangerous quarterback. If you let him string together two or three third down conversions, then he's going to do damage against you. He's going to put you in a precarious situation. But first things first, like you said, you got to get to third down. That means winning on first down, stopping the run, and not allowing chunk plays on first down from the from the Chiefs passing offense. Well, and I'm glad you bring up stopping the run because I do think, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier, and I, I do think that Andy Reid's going to look at the run a little bit differently. But I also think that going into this game plan, I think that Andy Reid is going to plan on throwing the ball a lot uh, and not necessarily going to be going down the field because I think that it's, that could be uh, something that would be problematic with the Chiefs' offensive line issues. Mm-hmm. But I think that he is going to be attacking uh, the medium range and, and maybe trying to take a shot or two at, at times. How do you think Tampa Bay is going to try to slow the passing attack down? Because one of the things that Kansas City does so well is being able to use Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill the way they do. But now they're getting Sammy Watkins back and they're going to have McCole Hardman. I mean, that just puts a lot of pressure on the defense. Absolutely, it does. And I think you're going to start off with the mentality of go out there and do your job and and win your assignment. And I don't think that means you're going to see man-to-man coverage with Carlson Davis and Tyree Kill. Uh, a lot to start this game. I can't <laughs> imagine that type of a situation. But I think what you're going to do, I mean, you're going to see, you're probably going to see Travis Kelsey kind of manned up against either a Levante David or a Devin White. And they're going to tell him, look, you guys know how to body a tight end. You know how to cover. You know how to go after the ball. Yes, he's Travis Kelsey, one of the best to do it uh, right now and one of the best to do it ever in the history of the NFL as far as tight ends are concerned. But these guys are talented. And Travis Kelsey is still a human being. If you stick an arm in there between Travis Kelsey's hands as he try and catch the ball, he, he doesn't have an extra hand to come in there and secure that pass. So if the Buccaneers' defense can play uh, technically sound, they can do some things and, and prevent Travis Kelsey from getting rolling. 
And I think that's kind of what they're going to do in the beginning of the game is see if they're if they're one on one assignments, if their standard kind of scheme, if you want to call it that, is going to work. And then if not, make adjustments. But like you pointed out, if you have to start rolling over help on Travis Kelsey or rolling over more help on Tyreek Hill, you've just got McCall Hardman, you've got Clyde Edwards Alaire, and you've got Sammy Watkins over there waiting to take advantage of those open spaces and those individual matchups. So really it's going to boil down to every man across the field, all 11 on the field have to do their part to do their their job the best they can. It's not about keeping Kansas City from scoring because they're going to score. Like they're, they're, There's no way you're shutting out Kansas City, especially in the Super Bowl. It's about keeping them under, I think, 30 points if you can to give your offense a chance to put up enough points to win the game. And I'm glad you put it that way because it's one of the things, you know, when I watch the game with some people, they get mad when the opposing team scores. And I'm like, I don't care when the other opposing team scores. I mean, yeah, I get it. It's upsetting sometimes if they allow 25, you know, 26 points. But as long as they're not allowing 40 points a game, I'm not going to worry about it too much. I know the defense is going to do their job when they need to for the most part. And I think that's the key for both teams in this game. If you can keep the other team to 30 points, you've got a great chance to win. Absolutely. Now, if we flip it over to the other side of the ball and we start looking at the Buccaneers defense, one of the things – or sorry, Buccaneers offense, I apologize – one of the things that the Chiefs have struggled with this year is defending the tight end. And I know that, uh, you know, Tampa Bay has some talents at tight ends, but they've also struggled with, you know, defending running backs coming out of the backfield and catching the ball. The one thing that I think looking at this matchup is if they could get the running backs going in the passing game, I think that could help. But my question to you is, is that something that's realistic? Because when you look at what the Buccaneers have done, they've got a lot of drops from the running backs. They do have a lot of drops from the running backs. I mean, <laughs> what, uh, what, you can, what you can guarantee is that Byron Leftwich is going to put these running backs in position to make plays and that Tom Brady is going to give them opportunities to make those plays as well. It's just it's on Leonard Fournette and it's on Ronald Jones to put it together. And, we, and we've seen some really bad runs between these two as far as, as catching the ball. And we've seen some really good ones. I mean, this is, this is it. Like, this is for, for everything. This is for the, this is for the trophy. Uh, there is no week after this. There is no more getting better as far as, you know, the season is concerned. You're either going to come out here and put together uh, a, a solid game or you're not, and that's going to be the end of your legacy for 2020. So it's really just about being a professional. And what everybody's kind of hoping for is that playoff Lenny, as they call him, Leonard Fournette, has done really well and exponentially well in the postseason compared to regular season. Hoping to see more of that. Uh, I, I still, you know, if you're a prop betting man and you're, and you're on – uh, betonline.ag and there's there, there's an over under of say one and a half for Leonard Fournette drop passes I would probably take the over on that um, but I think if it's two and a half I think we could see an under on that and if, as long as those drops don't become tip drills into the hands of guys like Tyron Matthew then the Buccaneers can survive them um, I would expect more designed running back passes you know like screens and stuff like that to come on first and second downs where Byron left which knows they have a chance to make up for a mistake if it happens yeah, I'm glad you were talking about that uh, when on first and second downs because to me, I look at that stat and I really get concerned if I'm making a play call and trying to give the running back a pass on third down. Um, you know, with the drops they've had, that would really concern me going into this game uh, because that would just kill drive. Uh, you know, when you look at the rest of this game and you look at obviously, you know, the two offenses are going to be a lot of fun to watch. The defenses are going to be a lot of fun to watch. What is one thing on the offensive side of the ball that you're going to be really watching for do you, that you think could really you know, change the tide for Tampa Bay or change the tide for Kansas City uh, on, the defensive, on the defensive side? Uh, I'm going to be looking at Rob Gronkowski. So 
when when you look at the most successful games that the Buccaneers have had in recent memory, you go back to week 15 against Atlanta, you look at the wild card round, even against Washington, the defense had a little bit of a harder time, but the offense was able to do enough to get them out of, out of there with a win. And then you look at the NFC Championship game against the Green Bay Packers. Those are three of Rob Gronkowski's highest pass blocking rep totals of this season. And, and we go back to the beginning of the year when Rob Gronkowski really wasn't getting as involved in the pass game as a lot of people expected him to. And he kind of made the joke that I'm a blocking tight end is what I do. And everybody laughed about it. And then that week, I think it was the Carolina Panthers. Maybe he went out and he had a really big game. It was his first big game as a receiver, as a Buccaneer. But then when you go through the season, especially in the playoffs, when the Buccaneers keep Rob Gronkowski in as a blocker, it, it does things to the defense. For one, your organic pass rush has another person, another element to work through. And that's always a problem. But then the guy that you probably had identified to cover him is either one tied to the, to the line of scrimmage because now they have nowhere to drop into because the guy they're covering isn't coming into into a pass route. So even if they do end up breaking off and getting into coverage, you've got that hesitation, which helps you open a window. Or they come in on a blitz. But if they come in on that blitz, again, they're waiting to see what Rob does. So it's a late blitz. Tom Brady, as long as he's got three seconds in the pocket, you're pretty much good. So it really kind of manipulates the defense in a way that a lot of defenses don't know how to react to. And you can't just bail on covering Rob Gronkowski. And then what you see you saw against Green Bay is late in the game, in the middle, middle part of the game, you know, maybe it's a third and eight. They'll say, okay, we're going we're gonna to throw Rob out there on a, on a pass route. And the defense has been seeing him staying blocking so much, it's almost like they don't know how to react. They're kind of stuck in the mud a little bit, and that's when he comes up with a big catch. That's why Cam Brait has been having such a good postseason is because as Rob Gronkowski is staying in more and more as a blocker, Cam Brait is getting out there more as a receiver, and he's getting the highlight plays that you're used to seeing Rob Gronkowski get. So that's what I'm watching. I want the Buccaneers to stick to that game plan. I know the Chiefs don't have you know, this world-beating pass rush on paper and, and everything else, but they know how to dial things up. You have a defense coordinator, like you said, uses Legereus Sneed and guys like that to, to manufacture that pass rush. Keep Rob Gronkowski in there. Wait for your time if you're Byron Leftwich to unleash him. So that's what I'm looking for. I want to see if, if Byron sticks with that game plan or if he gets a little overconfident because of the quote-unquote reputation of the pass rush and maybe gets a little cocky and, and ends up setting up Tom Brady to get hit. I have one last quick question. Uh, Antonio Brown, I know it's questionable whether or not he plays. I'm guessing he probably is going to. Do you see any of the – I mean, obviously he's not quite what he used to be, uh, but what kind of role do you think he could have in this game? So for Antonio Brown, I mean, he still obviously has some skill to him and some talent, but I look at him in this Buccaneers offense and this version of the offense. I don't look at him so much as a, fo- as a focal piece or a featured player on the offense. I look at him more as a role player. And, and don't get me wrong, if, if the underneath stuff is available – uh, if people are having to double guys like Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, stuff like that, they'll get A.B. the ball in space and still let him do some things. And he's shown that he can still do some things. But they're not going to necessarily – I don't think they're necessarily going to draw a place where Antonio Brown is the number one target, uh, so to speak. So I look for more kind of like your fake screens or even getting some screens if the space is there. But if you have the fake screen and it keeps the secondary up a little bit, that might be where you get a Scotty Miller over the top or Chris Godwin coming over behind the defender that's supposed to be a little bit deeper because of what A.B. presents. Uh, but as far as his impact on this game, I'm not expecting much. Maybe three catches, you know, 35 yards, you know what I mean, is, is probably the, the best you can probably expect from AB. But, I mean, it's a Super Bowl, so you know there's always a hero that comes out of nowhere. Absolutely. And that is going to be it for us today. Thank you all for listening. We really do appreciate it. Uh, this has been your Super Bowl crossover. And this episode is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. This is exciting 
limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th, and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. Check out the Locked On Chiefs and Locked On Bucks podcast wherever you get your podcasts.